This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore shares started the week weaker after global markets ended the week mixed. The Straits Times Index headed down 0.6% at the open and closed in the red, down 0.6% to 3,154 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares opened stronger following overnight gains on the global market. The STI rose 0.3% and stayed in the green, snapping a seven-day losing streak, rising 0.2% to 3,160 points. At the midweek, Singapore shares declined after global markets ended Tuesday mixed. The STI headed down 0.4% at the open, but reversed direction to close in positive territory, up 0.5% to 3,174 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares opened stronger, following overnight gains on Wall Street led by a rally in tech stocks. The STI rose 0.4% at the open and ended in the green, advancing 0.2% to 3,181 points. It's Friday, August 25th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares fell at the opening bell following overnight losses in global markets. The STI declined 0.4% to 3,169.14 points. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, with her overview of the trading week. The STI ended Thursday's trading at 3,181 points, gaining 0.2% for the week to date. Asian markets largely rose as well this week, with the FTSE APEC index up 1.7% in the past four sessions. Tech stocks were on the move this week with NVIDIA's record quarterly earnings powered by strong demand for its AI-focused chips. This propelled a rally among global tech stocks. Nasdaq's 0.8% gains this week outperformed the S&P 500, which was up marginally by 0.2%. The Nasdaq Golden Dragon Index was also up 1.6%. Back in Asia, the Hang Seng Tech Index gained 3.8% over the week. Similarly in Singapore, top three outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were companies related to the tech sector. They were AEM Holdings, UMS Holdings and Nanofilm Technologies International, which gained 9.3% on average. On average, Singapore's tech stocks gained 3.9% this week and saw trading activities up 38% compared to its three-month average. In the ETF space, the Lion OCBC Securities Hang Seng Tech ETF was also the top trader ETF over the week. It has remained the most traded ETF listed for trading in Singapore in both July and August to date. The Hang Seng Tech Index is comprised of 30 constituents with East Buy holding to replace AAC Technologies from 4th September. The largest constituent weights of the index include Li Auto, Meituan, Alibaba, JD.com and Quite Technology. In terms of institutional fund flows in the Singapore market across the last five sessions through to 23rd August, we observed net institutional fund inflows of $103 million, adding on to the $240 million of inflows seen last week. By sector, the highest net inflows over the last five sessions were seen across financial services at $165 million, industrials at $19 million and consumer non-cyclicals at $14 million. On the other hand, telcos received the most institutional outflows at $41 million. This was followed by utilities at $27 million and technology at $21 million. The three local banks led the net instant inflows over the five sessions with DBS receiving $18 million, OCBC receiving $39 million and UOB receiving $31 million. 
Across the week, OCBC and DBS saw gains of 0.7% and 0.3% respectively, while UOB registered declines of 0.4%. Today also marks the listing of the CGS Fugo Vietnam 30 Sector Cap ETF. The ETF tracks the IH Vietnam 30 Sector Cap Index and offers a basket of 30 larger stocks listed on the Ho Chi Minh Exchange in Vietnam. The real estate sector has the most sectorial representation in the index, with a number of stocks representing adjacent sectors. For instance, the Hua Fat Group maintains the largest constituent weight within the index and reported 95% of its 2022 revenue to steel product manufacturing. Megan Chia joins us with her take of the week's highlights. Asian markets were mixed for the five trading sessions ended Thursday. Most markets ended above the sea of red from last week, but regional trading was still largely subdued. The Hang Seng Index was down 0.6% across the five sessions. The Jakarta Composite Index was almost flat as it fell 0.02%, while the FTSE Bursa Malaysia KLCI sank 0.2%. In contrast, South Korea's Kospi Composite Index increased 0.7%, while Japan's Nikkei 225 advanced 2.1%. However, the Asia-Pacific region could continue to be dragged down by its exposure to China, which is known for being its main growth driver. Early in the week, China banks disappointed investors with a smaller-than-expected cut to its benchmark one-year loan prime rate. It lowered 10 basis points to 3.45%, a smaller reduction than what most economists surveyed by Bloomberg had expected. The five-year rate, a reference for mortgages, was kept steady at 4.2%. Analysts flagged a possible low-growth outlook for the region, as China's economy does not yet show signs of a turnaround. Over in the US, the dollar retreated amid a poor showing from the country's manufacturing data. S&P Global said its flash US Composite PMI Index, which tracks manufacturing and service sectors, fell to a reading of 50.4 in August. This was down from 52 in July and is the biggest drop in the index since November 2022. This indicated that US business activity was approaching the stagnation point this month, as growth is at its weakest since February, with demand for new business in the vast service sector contracting. As for stocks, US indices ended higher overnight, led by gains in the major tech stocks amid a yield drop in the 10-year US Treasury note. The tech-rich Nasdaq Composite Index jumped 1.6%, while the broad-based S&P 500 advanced 1.1%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 0.5%. Back home, the Straits Times Index was down 0.5% across five sessions, as Singapore's core and headline inflation fell to their lowest since the first half of 2022. Headline inflation dipped to 4.1% year-on-year from June's 4.5%, slightly lower than the 4.2% expected by economists in the Bloomberg poll. Core inflation, which excludes accommodation and private transport, slipped to 3.8% on the year in July, from 4.2% in June. Market watchers generally expect the country's inflation figures this year to continue slowing. Looking ahead, investors will be watching out for US Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's comments at the Jackson Hole Symposium, happening later this Friday. Meanwhile, next week will be short here as Singapore heads to the polls to elect its next president on September 1st. Still to come, economic data and highlighted stocks of the week. Lens on Singapore, a monthly podcast series from the Business Times podcast team on current affairs, societal issues and government policies explored through the lens of how it impacts us here in Singapore and in the region. Anchored by Clarissa Montero and Howie Lim, every third Monday of the month. And now, 
Back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, could you highlight the most notable news for the week, please? Certainly, Janice. As Megan mentioned, Singapore's consumer prices rose at a slower pace for the third consecutive month on the back of a smaller hike in food prices and a fall in the cost of electricity and gas. Headline inflation eased to 4.1% from 4.5% in June, while core inflation dropped to 3.8% from 4.2% in June. Economists expect more easing in the months to come. The Singapore government plans to raise between 2.3 and 2.8 billion Sing dollars with the offer of 50-year green bonds at a coupon rate of 3%. The bonds, which are called Green Singapore Government Securities Infrastructure, includes 50 million Sing dollars that will be set aside for retail investors. This offering is the second in a series of expected sovereign green bonds issued under the Singapore Green Bond Framework. The government has indicated a pipeline of up to $35 billion of sovereign and public sector green bonds that will be issued by 2030. A key aspect of the green label for the bonds is that the proceeds will be used to finance expenditures in support of the Singapore Green Plan 2030, including two new MRT lines, the Jurong Region Line and the Cross Island Line. According to a UOB survey, about two in three consumers in Singapore, or 68%, foresee an economic downturn in the next 6 to 12 months. This is just slightly lower than the 70% in the same UOB survey last year. Top concerns of Singapore consumers include rising inflation, increased household expenses, long-term financial commitments, and decline in savings. The study also showed that Gen Zs form the most conservative demographic with around 48% of respondents saying that they will save more this year compared to the national average of 35%. Singapore Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong's National Day rally speech on Sunday was centred around two key themes, ageing and housing. Several new rules were also announced in tandem. To keep housing affordable with fair access, built-to-order projects will fall under three categories. Standard, Plus and Prime from the second half of 2024. This replaces the mature and non-mature framework that has been around since the early 1990s. Plus flats will be in choicier locations such as near transport nodes or town centres. They will come with more subsidies but also tighter resale conditions such as a minimum occupation period of 10 years before they can be put up on the resale market. Okay Candice, it's that time again. I say the name of a stock, you give me the latest on it. Okay, let's do this. We start with a big one, Singtel. Well, Singtel is one of the last STI stocks to report its quarterly business updates. It posted a net profit of $483 million for the first quarter ended 30th June. This was down 23.1% from $628 million in the same period last year. The drop was mainly attributed to a net exceptional loss of $88 million from its associate company Airtel. The group's operating revenue and EBITDA were down 2.7% and 7.7% respectively and this was dragged down by the 9% decline in the Australian dollar. In its Singapore business, operating revenue fell 1.8% due to continued decline in legacy carriage services and intense price competition in mobile amid a shift in the market to lower-end plans. The declines in international data, pay TV and voice were partly mitigated by higher mobile service revenue. Megan, you pick one. Alright, what do you have on Citrium? No, Citrium. Citrium announced the successful delivery of its second jackup week, which was on schedule. 
The Jackup Rig is part of a series of five rigs that Citrum New Energy, which is part of the Citrum Group, have been building for bore drilling. This series of Jackup Rigs built at Citrum's Pioneer Yard in Singapore are specifically designed to meet the needs of a diverse range of customers, from small and independent oil companies to major multinational energy corporations. Okay, up next, SBS Transit. SBS Transit was awarded the Bugat Mirror Bus Package for a second consecutive term, but lost the Jurong West Package to SMRT Buses. This marks its third bus tender award won under the new bus contracting model. The new five-year contracts for the two packages will start progressively from the second quarter of 2024. With this latest contract win, SBS Transit remains the biggest public bus operator holding a 55% market share. OK, OK, one more. Fraser's Property. Mm. Fraser's Property has secured a $1.08 billion five-year green-term loan club facility to refinance its maturing term loan facility for Fraser's Tower. The green loan received strong support from a consortium of seven banks, including UOB, DBS, OCBC, ICBC, CIMB, RHB and ING. The agreed terms stated that the green loan enjoys a reduction in margin if Fraser's Tower maintains at least a green mark Gold Plus certification status issued by the Building and Construction Authority. This has been Market Focus from The Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Thanks to Candice Lee, Market Analyst at SGX Securities and Megan Chair from The Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.